Hello friends and welcome to Men Do Disney, episode number 27. See you at Disney. My name is Pete, and joining me tonight is Tom. How are you, Pete? Good, good. We're two guys who want to help you make the most of your Disney World vacation, as well as to bring some of that Disney magic into your life every day. So put on your favorite pair of Mickey ears, lower your safety harness, remain seated until the ride has come to a complete stop, and men, let's do Disney. I did that without looking. It's pretty impressive, actually. Yeah. I guess 20, 27 episodes in and we finally got it. Yeah, it took, took a little while, but... So, tonight's episode, we are going, and this is actually comes from a listener email, um, a suggestion for an episode for tonight. So we're going to talk about the best times to go to Disney World. And we're going to look at it kind of a variety of factors that go into making that decision. Uh, but before we get into that for tonight, let's go to Tom with the news. Tom, what do we got? Not a ton of news. Our last episode released uh, about middle of January. I had the flu last week, so everybody stay healthy out there. It's it's a really nasty bug going around. Uh, but moving over to the news and, and what we've had over the last few weeks, uh, Epcot's announced that there's a new scavenger hunt coming for the 2018 Flower and Garden Festival. They typically do these kind of scavenger hunt deals around, uh, you know, various festivals, pretty good for kids, uh, fairly inexpensive. Uh, and it is a, a cool way to make your way around Epcot. Uh, if you're not wanting to do the kid cot stuff with the world showcase, moving over to magic kingdom, a little Hollywood, Hollywood studios in here. Uh, they've changed their nightly spectacular show times just very ever so slightly happily ever after. Uh, formerly would, was shown at 8 p.m. It's moved to 7.55. Star Wars a Galactic Spectacular will be at 8.15 instead of 8. And then Disney Movie Magic at Disney's Hollywood Studios will be presented at 8.15 instead of 8. I don't have a clue why they moved these. I, I don't know, Pete. Could you shed any light on that? No idea. You know, I've, I've, I've said on the podcast, and I know we've talked all fair about it, I, I don't like how the timing is structured for... A galactic spectacular and phantasmic this makes it worse because yeah it does because you there really is no way you can get both now right and and i don't know again i i don't have any clue why they've adjusted this but did feel like it was of note if you're going like i said it's a five to a 15 minute change for those three events staying in hollywood studios this is more of what i've picked up from from some folks that are going to the park more regularly than us toy store middle mania is a mess since they closed that third track and they're working on the remodeling, the wait times have been outrageous. And I, I noticed just last week it was four hours for the standby and it was estimated to be roughly 90 minutes for the fast pass because I guess the, the ride goes down pretty uh, fairly fairly often right now while they're doing some readjustments. And so all those fast pass times that get kind of messed up, just get lumped into it's all day fast pass kind of thing, and so everybody goes at the same time. Well, and I'm looking right now; it's a 145 minute wait right yeah, now. You know, I think we all kind of took for granted how how big that third track was, because uh, because oftentimes they'll just funnel one line onto that one track all day. That's crazy. So we kind of knew that was coming. You know, when they announced that they were going to be shutting tracks down and remodeling and doing all that sort of stuff. So we kind of saw this coming, but I don't think either one of us saw this big of an impact. No, and I think that goes to show you how badly Hollywood Studios needs 
Toy Story Something Land else? to open. <laughs> exactly. I mean, anything really, just to give some relief to those three heavy hitters, and then you got Star Tours. Mm-hmm. So, moving over to Disney Springs. I know we don't spend a lot of time here, but did want to hit. If you've noticed the hot air balloon, the characters in flight, I've personally never been on it. I'm terrified of heights. They have a, a discount on pricing. It used to be 20 bucks a person. Now it's $11.50. Uh, and no deal for two people. It was 40 bucks for two people. Now it's 23. Uh, so if you were wanting to do that, now is a good time, uh, take advantage of some pricing. So before we go away from Holly or, uh, Disney Springs, I read an article about secrets of the empire at Disney Springs mm-hmm. and apparently it's amazing. Yeah. There's some, a lot of positive momentum for, for the Springs right now. I forget where I read this, but but the person who wrote it said that they were really amazed. Now it is a you know an upcharge experience. I think it's thirty dollars or thirty five dollars or something like that to do it, but well worth it in their opinion. I also noticed uh, was it the Edison that mm-hmm. I've seen that menu and seen that experience. It's a new restaurant that's opened there. Of note, it's a little bit like a nightclub after I think ten thirty, and there is a cover charge. Uh, but if you go there for dinner, obviously you avoid that cover charge. They have a pretty strict dress code there too now. I've, uh, I think there's been some trouble with that too, right? With them had. having to change out the menu and. Mm-hmm. Well, because so. it, it, it to your point, it turns from a restaurant to a bar club, so they have to move all the tables out, mm-hmm. and oftentimes you have people's dinner running into that. Uh, and I mean, Disney's a very family friendly place, so a lot of times you have families eating there. Uh, but I've heard the food is spectacular, the atmosphere and the, you know, it, it really puts you in the, in the time period it's it's shooting for. So if you get over to the Springs, there's, there's some cool things to do there now. I love how we're referring to it as the Springs now. Oh, I, I have to like stop myself from saying downtown Disney. <laughs> uh, moving to just some general news. Minivans are now available for airport transportation. Again, I think that's something we all saw coming eventually. Remember, that's partnered with the Lyft app. Uh, Disney works with with that company to provide that service. I think people will take advantage of it. I mean, it's it's a Disney-certified thing. People can trust it. The, the drivers obviously know how to get around Disney extremely well. So that is another way of transportation from the airport to your resort. And then this one for those of us that are, or those of maybe our listeners that are fortunate enough to take advantage of it, Club 33 memberships are now available for Golden Oak residents. Uh, so residents who live in Disney's ultra-exclusive Golden Oak neighborhood can now be among the first to purchase a membership to Walt Disney World's Club 33. As you might expect, it's pretty expensive. Uh, I think I read the upfront free was $25,000, uh, and then you pay dues of $10,000 per year after that as long as you want to keep that membership. I will tell so you've you, got you've got your deposit in, right? Yeah, yeah. I'm starting to go fund me for that now. Uh, I will tell you <laughs> something interesting. I was reading about like what you get with this package, and you get some some cool dining and drinking locations around Walt Disney World. But I don't think it comes with a uh, annual pass. I don't know. Which it, it, they said that there's rumor that the membership may include an annual pass and tickets for members. I mean, look, if you're paying that much for. How Club 33 in, membership. You how do you don't that? have an annual pass and tickets and Fast Pass Plus? I'll never know. If that, I mean, who would pay for that? I, I mean, Tom, people that make far more money than we do would pay for that. 
you know, it's, I, I felt it, it was kind of, I wanted to share it so everybody heard it, but it's also, it's funny. I mean, it's, it's comical. A lot yeah. of folks can afford an annual pass and, and do the vast majority of the things at Disney World. I cannot, for the life of me, fathom why you'd spend twenty five grand and then a $10,000 annual renewal fee. I don't know. Talk to me in, you know, 10 more years when I've got uh, <laughs> millions of dollars with nothing to do with it. <laughs> I hear you there. Well, that's it for the news. Okay. I don't We're think I, unless you have anything you wanted to hit specifically. No, I just... I think it's about that time of year again when Disney announces ticket price increases. So I think we could probably look forward to hearing about that sometime in the near future. But I don't, I don't know any specifics yet. So, well, good. Going into tonight's main topic, we're going to talk about again when to go to Disney World. Um, <clears throat> like I said, this this came from a listener email. He really wanted to hear, you know, our opinion on the best times to go, times to stay away from the park and, you know, what factors kind of impact our decision of when to go to Disney World. So, we're going to kind of break this down from a couple of different standpoints or a couple of different viewpoints, I guess is probably the better word. So, the first one is probably the most important one if you're looking to do things at the park and that is from a crowd level standpoint. You know, crowds at Disney World dictate how much you can do, how much you can see, what, uh, how long you're going to be waiting in line versus how long you're going to be on attractions. So, you know, this is this is a really important factor in when you decide to go. I'm going to come out and say that the week between Christmas and New Year's, including Christmas Day and New Year's Day, are the most crowded I've ever seen the park. I've been there twice during that week, um, once for New Year's and actually once on Christmas Day. The last time I was there on Christmas Day, it's been a while, they closed the parking lot at Magic Kingdom at, I think, 10 a.m. They wouldn't let anybody else into the parking lot because it was already at capacity. Yeah, and they and they even uh, will give preferential treatment to those that are on Disney resorts versus... Well, no, if you're, if you're staying in a Disney resort, you're guaranteed to get into the park. But if you are just coming in from the outside and you are not staying on Disney resorts. If you're not in the parking lot before they shut down, they will not let you in. And there's all kinds of different, you know, procedures that they have when crowd levels get out of hand, but but that was where they were when we were there. They literally stopped letting people into the parking lot because the park was at capacity. That's wild. New Year's Day was much the same. I was actually at Epcot a New Year's Day and you could not move. I mean, the the bridge going from Future World into World Showcase was so crowded that, I mean, we stood there for 15 minutes and literally didn't move. It was like gridlock. Yeah, I've, I've seen videos. I've never, I don't know if I want to say fortunate enough or been unfortunate enough to, to go on Dis, uh, to Disney on Christmas or New Year's Day, but it looks fake when you look at aerial photos of the crowd levels. Uh, it, it seriously looks like it's fake. And, you know, Two different kind of viewpoints there, I guess, if that's what you're into. You know, if, if you really want to be at Disney World at Christmas, by all means, you know, do it. But just know that you're not going to ride any rides. When we were at Epcot, we got to ride Test Track. We waited in line for three and a half hours for Test Track. That's wild. That was the only thing we got to ride. because, And that's all the lines were like that. Even, yeah. even I take that back. We rode Maelstrom, and that's how long ago it's been. We rode Maelstrom, and we waited in line for almost two hours for Maelstrom. You know, and the, and and not only does the time you choose to go and the crowd level affect, to his point, attractions and getting around the parks. Now, with how the fast pass system is, you, you even your your selections are they're going to be gone quick. You know, the more people in the park, obviously, the quicker those fast pass selections go throughout the day. Uh, so it it impacts a few different areas. Uh, of your experience. 
It does. And and yeah, to Tom's point, if, if you're in the park where there's a lot of people there, you're not going to be able to, you know, we talk a lot about, okay, we'll just get a Haunted Mansion Fast Pass on your second round of Fast Passes. You're not going to be able to do that if the, if the parks are this crowded because mm-hmm. everything is going to be booked. Well, let's talk about some good times to go. Okay. So my favorite time to go. Well, when's your favorite time to go? It's, I'm torn. So th- this last trip, I went the first week of December. I like that little pocket because most folks, if you think logically, and I don't have a child, but I would imagine most parents think they my, my kids were just out for Thanksgiving. They're going to be out for Christmas. I'm not pulling them out of school to go to Disney World the first week of December. Mm-hmm. So you, you have that Thanksgiving traffic kind of flush out early that week, uh, if, if not before that week. And then you, I mean, we, we didn't have really any issues with park crowds uh, at all. Uh, so that's, and then on top of that, and we'll get to it later, but the weather was great too. So that's probably my favorite week that I can okay. pick right now. So mine's a little bit different. Mine is early May. The weather was great. It wasn't really rainy. It wasn't really crowded. You know, and we got to do everything that we wanted to do. But but let's kind of go through the year and we'll talk about the various times, some of the best times to go. So starting off in January, Again, you want to avoid that New Year's Day and really the whole week after New Year's Day because a lot of parents keep their kids out of school. A lot of schools don't start back until, you know, the 5th or the 6th. So there's a lot of people there through New Year's Day through that first week in January, really. But starting the second week of January, really through when spring break starts in late February, early March is a great time to go. Yeah, it is. I mean, it's great for a variety of reasons, but to your point, Disney is a family-oriented place, and when when kids have just had those holiday breaks and they're starting the new semester of school, they're not going to be at Disney World. Uh, so that's that second week of January is a great time to to begin thinking about going. It's completely dead. Mm-hmm. It's completely dead. So, and and we'll find as we talk about this and we as we talk through this that the best times to go to Disney often follow kind of the opposite of the school calendar. When kids are in school, that's when it's a good time to go to Disney World. When they're out of school, that's kind of when it's a bad time to go. Mm-hmm. And move, moving into February, obviously, one of the biggest weekends in February is Super Bowl weekend. We heard while we were planning this episode that one of our listeners either goes or knows someone who goes every Super Bowl Sunday every single year, and it's the most dead day in his opinion. Mm-hmm. I've heard World. that. I've heard that because everybody else is watching the Super Bowl. Everyone's now you wouldn't exactly. you wouldn't try to go to the boardwalk and go to the ESPN zone, right? But <clears throat> yeah, I, I I agree. I've heard that. I've heard the same thing. So moving on after spring break, May really the first, with the exception of maybe Memorial Day weekend, the early part of May until the kids get out of school is still a really good time to go to Disney World. Crowd levels are not that high. And not a whole lot of parents are going to pull their kids out of school a week or two early to go to Disney World when they're almost done. And notice, listeners, he skipped mentioning March and April because that is a horrible time to go. Uh, yeah, spring break. I mean, yeah. <laughs> you don't want to go to Disney during spring break. But but only your point. Yeah, May, right there before summer gets let out, uh, before school gets let out for summer, excuse me. Great time to go. I've been at that period uh, as well. Uh, it's it's a good time to visit Disney World. It's a good time to get out of Dodge. Then we get into the summer months and, uh, you know, school's out. So the end of May, June, July, and really until school starts in August again, it's just very crowded. Yeah, and, and I've done, so growing up, 
my mom was a teacher, very similar to Pete. And so summer was t- a time when both our families went, uh, I'm sure. Uh, I know it was almost an annual trip for us at that point uh, in July. And it's crowded because it's so convenient for people. A lot of kids, are, most all kids are out of school and anybody who works in teaching is out of school. So, But you guys had a little bit different experience because you went for a long time, Correct. right? I mean, you were there for eight to 10 days. Yeah, we didn't have to force... Uh, you know, we didn't have to force it. If the park's crowded and we want to go back to the resort, that's fine. You know, you have mm-hmm. all the time in the world. Uh, so getting into those summer months, I, my fiance and I went late June a couple of years ago. It was just unbearably hot. I mean, it's it's hot and humid. And and being from South Carolina, I'm, I'm accustomed to that. But even, you know, even being from here, it's still kind of miserable to be body to body walking around that park. And it's crowded too. I mean, you guys got to do a lot, but but the crowd levels were well, still pretty high. And we had a high. small party. We only had two people. You know, we didn't have to get fast passes for four, or six, or five. I mean, a small party made things a lot easier. Yep. So, not a great time to go from a crowd perspective. Now, the the last week of August really through you know Christmas time or getting into Christmas time is a great time to go. Yeah, I mean, again, and this is obvious, right? You want to avoid. I've been at Easter. I've been at Thanksgiving. It's more crowded then when people are mm-hmm. out of school. It's a great time to go from a weather standpoint and to say you went to Disney for those holidays. But from a crowd level standpoint, it, you will see a little increase at both those periods. Yep. Yep. Let's talk about some of the things that can impact these crowd levels, you know, in the middle of these times that we recommend to go. And the the first, as Tom just talked about, is, is major holidays. You know, you don't want to go to Disney World at Thanksgiving. You don't want to go to Disney World at Christmas. You don't want to go at New Year's because guess what? Everybody else has that idea already. And and most people, they say, hey, holidays are great. I want to see the decorations. I want to see Disney transform. Here's a little hint. You can go shortly after Thanksgiving in early December, and you'll actually see overnight the park go from the Thanksgiving decorations you were so anxious to see into the Christmas decorations. And it is neat, and you're not there on the holiday, but you still get that Christmas feel. And and that's why I'd recommend the first two weeks of December because, yeah, you know, you get the Christmas at Disney, but you're not there for Christmas at Disney. And, and we on my last trip, we were there uh, in the Florida area a day or so before our actual, uh, in the park, you know, our, our, res- our reservation began. We went to all the big resorts. We looked at all the Christmas trees, gingerbread houses. Because it does get you in that Christmas spirit. You know, Disney does a fantastic job of decorating early and leaving those decorations up for, you know, through the season. Yep. You know, the holidays, again, are going to be not a great time to go. The other thing, and it's something that a lot of people don't think about, is the marathon weekends. I've been Princess Half Marathon. The park was noticeably more crowded um, than, it, you know, than it normally would be that time in February. And so those times, I've, I've just got a list right here. The Wine and Dine is... The first week in November, the uh, the actual Walt Disney World Marathon is the second week in January. The Princess is, I think, the third or fourth week in February. And then the Star Wars is in April, the early part of April. Yeah, and, and I don't have any experience with the marathon weekends. Obviously, I've, I've talked to Pete when he's been down there for him. And, you know, Pete's out there running marathons. Don't let him fool you. Yeah, clearly. Isn't parking pretty heavily impacted as well? Parking is, and, and, you know, I'll say this, and I've only been to the Princess Half Marathon, but the crowd levels were not impacted that much. I had heard that, that it was going to be a lot more crowded, 
but it really wasn't. You look at Disney World in July versus Disney World at the Princess Half Marathon weekend, and it's not anywhere close. It's just more crowded than it typically would be at a random week in February. Well, keep in mind, too, and we've mentioned on the podcast, those people who do run in that, that half marathon, if they want to go in the park, they still have to buy a park ticket. So some people are just run and, and leave, uh, which probably mm-hmm. helps it calm down later in the day. But it does draw a huge crowd. I mean, a lot of people go down there for the weekend or for a week and run the marathon and stick around. So, you know, because kind of the thing to do is to wear your medal saying, hey, I I ran the half marathon or I ran the marathon in the parks that day. Mm -hmm. I know my wife did. And we're looking at at planning a trip around one now. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Talking about that all fair a minute ago. So the, the next thing that can really impact the crowd levels is the various kind of events at Epcot. And and I'm speaking specifically about food and wine, but also the Garden Festival or the Flower and Garden Festival. What are the other ones, Tom? You've got Flower and Garden, Food and Wine, Christmas around Christmas the, around the world. Yep, Christmas around the world. That may be all of them. I think there's be, one more that we're yeah, missing. Anyway, these don't really have a huge impact on overall crowd levels, but they do tend to make Epcot a lot more crowded on the weekends. Specifically, food and wine does. Yep, and, and if you didn't say it, I was going to mention it. it. When you get to Saturday and Sunday, when locals can go with their annual passes and they're out of work and they want to go, Epcot's place they're going. When we, we did our Men Do Disney trip, it was in October, I believe. Mm-hmm. We went to Epcot on a Saturday. I think it was a Friday, actually. We either Yeah, so we went Friday, and we, we were watching the wait times, and it was mm-hmm. noticeably more crowded on Saturday the day we weren't there, and it was noticeably more crowded than any other uh, park we visited on our trip. But it also got crowded Friday evening as yep. the locals kind of filtered in. It did, and we, we had already, by that point, we had been around the world and tried a variety of the foods and drink offerings, so we had kind of been there, done that by that point. But mm-hmm. yeah, good point. Uh, but now, now we say all that the food and wine is awesome. It's so worth. It's it. worth going to definitely. It's worth it. You know that is one time where I will break my rule of going into the crowd because that that's a really really unique and fun experience at Epcot. Well, and then the other thing that can impact crowd levels is the other special events, and I'm you know talking about Star Wars weekend or Mickey's very merry Christmas party, Mickey's not so scary Halloween party. Those kind of special events that come up. They can have an impact on crowd levels. You know, if Magic Kingdom closes at 4 o'clock, it's going to be less crowded that day. Yep. but And I was going to say, it can be negatively or positively affecting you depending on where you're going. You know, if you have a part, you know, a, a special event ticket, yeah, it's a great day to go for the full day because most people aren't going there for the day. Uh, but it does, it does kind of direct people in different ways. And um, people like going around those special holiday events because it is the holidays, so... Mm-hmm. Uh, definitely drives crowd levels. <clears throat> so moving on from a weather standpoint, I know we've kind of hinted around this a little bit as as we talk through the crowd levels, but but from a weather standpoint, let's just go through the seasons. So winter, I mean, we're in Orlando, right? We're in Florida. You're not going to see 30 degree temperatures. You may get some some days that dip into the into the high 40s, maybe into the 50s, but but overall, I mean, you guys went in December. What was the weather like? It wasn't bad. I mean, at night, I'm a very hot-natured person. I'm always hot, so I was fine. Always but sweating to a ridiculous extent. You know, my mom brought a sweater because in the evenings it was a little chilly, or if we did, you know, Cali River or Splash Mountain, like that was kind of uncomfortable because it, it, it's not it's not 90 degrees and the water's not hot. But overall, we didn't 
we had maybe one day with rain. It was our last day there, which is kind of depressing in itself. Uh, it was like my tears were coming from the sky. And it other I mean, the weather was fantastic. You know, I I woke up, I wore shorts pretty much in a polo every day. Winter's a good time to go from a weather standpoint. I mean, and this this may be going to the nth degree, but when you're there in winter, you you're just it's not summer. You're not as thirsty. You're not buying bottled water. You're not I mean, it, you're quite comfortable the entire day. Mm-hmm. You can keep mm-hmm. a bottle of water in your book bag and it stays relatively cold. So the spring is a little bit warmer. Um, you know, not unbearably warm, but it's a little bit warmer. It does tend to rain a little bit more in the spring than it does in the winter. Again, a good time to go. That's kind of when my favorite time to go is from a weather standpoint because you don't get those lows. You don't have to bring a sweater with you, but at the same time, it's not, you know, it may be 80 degrees instead of 90 or 100 degrees. Yeah, and and while you don't get the lows, you also don't get the humidity that comes in the summer. So, yeah, it could be 85 degrees, but it's not, you know, like your body is sticky because it's so humid. Uh, So then we we get into the summer. Yeah, and then then you – and. I'm sure 90% of our listeners have been to Disney World in the summer. Uh, if, if you're listening to this podcast, you go to Disney World. So you know what we're talking about. It is hot. It's humid. It rains every single day. You can book it. There will be a shower that comes through Florida every single day in the summer. And it, and it may not be a very long one, but but yeah, you're going to get wet at some point. That's the funny thing. It's You could almost time it to be on an attraction. So you could ride like a spaceship Earth. It could be raining when you get on, and it's done for the day when you get off. When, when Matt and I went, it actually rained when we were drinking around the world at Epcot. And we were stuck in the pub in the United Kingdom for about, about 25 minutes. You know, we bought the $15 ponchos and put the $15 ponchos on and then didn't need them anymore because it literally rained for 15 minutes. Isn't that funny how, it's, how that works? Mm-hmm. And didn't you say the pub got pretty crowded? That people oh, it was packed because everybody came in and just yeah hunkered down and waited the storm out and you know I, when i think about when 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 my fiance and i went i don't know if it and it's weird cuz we were there the weekend before july 4th cuz i remember we did july 4th together that that year and i don't know if it rained at all really i mean remember we were only there like two and a half days that's true that's true i uh, you know it's i think it's rained at some point on every disney trip i've been in and it just it just kind of worked itself out, you know. I've never been down to Disney where it's rained all day, ever. You know, I, there's there's I'm sure I have at some point, uh, but it, it very few and far between. And Disney, listen, I mean, it, it's not it's it's an outdoor theme park in Florida. They are built to handle the weather. Uh, lightning is obviously the only concern you run into with storms. So then we get into fall. And, you know, fall is, again, one of those hit or miss seasons. It's hurricane season. You could be down at Disney World and a hurricane could come barreling through. Now, it doesn't happen that often, but Disney has closed the park a couple of times because of a hurricane. And I think you're going to get a lot more rain in in the fall, too, right? Yeah, I think you will. You're still getting the the same kind of storms you see in the summer. And then, I mean, if you let's look at 2017. You know, Disney had to close for a major hurricane. While... It is hit or miss, and it's more than not more than often. You know, more often than not, it's a miss. You're not going to get a hurricane. I, I wouldn't avoid planning the trip here because of hurricane potential. Because Disney's a very safe place to be. There are residents in Florida that actually booked rooms at Disney to stay there for the hurricane. Uh, but it's still kind of that hot, humid weather for the majority of the fall. Even into October, when on the Mendu Disney trip, it yep. was still hot. 
but but you do. Obviously, kids are back in school, so it's, it's not bad weather to be be in when when the park's not terribly crowded. Nope. And Disney's pretty good about you know if they do have to shut down because of a hurricane or because of weather, they're pretty good about making it making it right with you. Mm-hmm. Yep, absolutely. Uh, there were numerous stories where people's trips got uh, canceled because or they couldn't fly down because of the hurricane, and Disney worked through that. I'm sure there's some some bad experiences too, but I like to look at the positives. Mm-hmm. All right, so moving on, let's look at this from an attraction standpoint. Now, you know, I'm saying this with the expectation that everybody knows that Disney does periodic refurbishment to their attractions. I mean, that's a fact of life. These rides, you know, have thousands of people riding on them a day. They need some maintenance and they need some repair more than Disney can do, you know, on an overnight basis. So really the biggest point that I have to make from an attraction standpoint is to know what rides are going to be down for refurbishment when you go. When when my wife and I went for the Princess Half Marathon, I knew Splash Mountain was going to be down for maintenance. Splash Mountain goes down for maintenance in the wintertime pretty much every year. So there's there are rides that are scheduled to go down at specific times. Now, unfortunately, when you plan to go to Disney World during those non-peak times, you know, you're also kind of going during maintenance season because peak, you know, Disney's aiming to have all the rides open during peak season. Yeah, I think this is an underrated factor that a lot of people just flat out don't think about. I mean, this can, for example, your, one of your favorite attractions is Splash Mountain. Imagine if you would have gone without knowing prior. I mean, you'd be devastated. I would be. I would have been absolutely devastated. And and the same, you know, it was like, the, fortunately, I was in Epcot two days on our last trip because my party had never ridden Frozen. And it was down the entire day we were there. Mm-hmm. If we didn't, If we didn't have another day with another Fast Pass, I mean, it wouldn't have made or break, you know, it wouldn't like break the trip, but I mean, it was something they were really looking forward to doing. Uh, so I think this is something that people be aware of. That There's plenty of websites. Disney does list this stuff and it updates it, you know, almost weekly with scheduled maintenance and shutdowns. Uh, so this is one I'd pay attention to. So I guess kind of the main takeaway here is just to know what's going to be down when you're going to be there. Uh, Disney does a pretty good job of announcing refurbishments about six months in advance. Now, these can always be changed or these can always be extended, but you should at least be very conscious of what's going to be up and what's going to be down when you get there. Now, weather can also have an impact on some of these rides. The main thing I would I would point to like a ride like Test Track or a show like Fantasmic, where if there's lightning and thunder, if there's wind, these rides are not going to be open because, you know, really who wants to ride Test Track in the rain anyway? Who wants to ride any ride that's mainly outside in the rain? So... A lot of those are going to be shut down if it's raining. You know, Kilimanjaro safaris. If it's lightning and thundering, you're probably not going to be able to go on your safari. You know, know what know what your main preference or your main rides that you want to hit are, and and know what the weather's going to be like, and just be flexible. Yeah, I mean, I think that's a I think that's a good point, and and it goes almost back to our second point, which was the weather standpoint. I mean, you're planning your trip for a different season, and you you'll understand what you're getting yourself into. You know, like we've said, Disney is very very good at making the necessary adjustments and changes. Uh, to, to make your trip go as smooth as possible. Mm-hmm. And and a lot of these rides, again, like we said, have regularly scheduled maintenance. You know, you know that Hall of Presidents is going to be down every time there's a new president. You know Splash Mountain is going to be down in the wintertime, pretty much. You know Cali River Rapids is generally going to be down in the wintertime. Typically, it take, they take the water parks down in the wintertime. So, again, main takeaway, be conscious of what's going to be down when you're going to be there. 
So going into our kind of final viewpoint here, I guess, is from a cost standpoint. And this may be one of the most important things to people, you know, because this dictates when you can afford to go, how long you can afford to be there. So Disney operates kind of on a seasonal pricing model. You've got peak season, you've got value season, and you've got regular season. And these seasons kind of dictate ticket price, but also hotel price as well. And they're going to have an impact on your flight. They're going to have an impact on, on really everything. Yeah, and, and this may be the most important point um, that, we're, that we're covering because obviously Disney's not, not cheap. Uh, but, but you Ever. Ever. I mean, in, in whether it's peak value, regular time frame. But you want to go and, and at the most affordable time. And like we've alluded to, any time we told you that we thought was a fun time to go, probably would fall in the value category. Uh, because mm-hmm. there's not, there aren't crowd levels that are excessively high. It's not summer. It's not spring break. It's not Christmas or New Year's. And yeah, to your point, that's that's absolutely right. So, you know, your peak season is going to be those times that we've told you to avoid. That week between Christmas and New Year's, going to be peak season. Yep. The regular season is kind of you're a little bit slower, but you know, it's still pretty crowded. And the value season is really the the times that we recommend to go the most. Now, Disney does also offer some incentives to go maybe during regular season or during value season. Right. And, and you know, something that probably has become more of an annual thing now with the free dining, that pops up at some point throughout the year uh, and usually tries to drive people into various resorts. Uh, they'll, they'll tie it to a few resorts and maybe you can get an upgrade on your dining or you can get, you know, X dining plan for free. Uh, those are pretty good deals to take advantage of. And again, those are at the time periods where Disney's trying to create an influx in traffic. Uh, if it was up to Disney, it'd be crowded all the time. That's that's what they'd love. I mean, that's the goal, right? Mm-hmm. And I, you know, I, I think that it's kind of debatable as to whether or not it's a good value. Because by taking advantage of that free dining, you miss out on a lot of the other you know, incentives that Disney kind of offers. Be it, a, you know, the package discount deals, a room only, you know, percent off a ticket discount whatever you know what have you so you miss out on a lot of that and disney's not cheap disney's never going to be cheap these packages are and these incentives and discounts are you know they're a good way to to get it a little bit cheaper than it normally would be but you're not going to save a ton of money doing this right but but yeah like you said tom disney's goal is to have the park be crowded all the time and you know, they do that by offering these incentives, by offering these promotions, by offering free dining. You know, pay attention to that. You can really save some money on a Disney trip, particularly if you're going for a longer period of time. And that's kind of the last thing I'll say about price is that, you know, we we've, we kind of allude to this every time we talk about pricing and every time we talk about tickets. The more you go, the longer tickets you buy, the cheaper it becomes on a per day basis. You know, you get to the point with a 10-day ticket that you're paying like $12 extra a day. So if you go during value season, maybe you can afford that hotel for an extra couple of days, you know, and really get that that extra value out of the tickets. Yeah, that that's another point that it's a good thing you highlighted it. You get in that little uh, travel day window and it, it gets, I mean, it, and Pete alluded earlier, I, we, our, my family used to take pretty extended vacations there in the summer. It got to a point where you could almost eat and go into the park for cheaper than you could do it at home. I mean, it, it gets mm-hmm. re- your park tickets get to twenty bucks, ten bucks a day, you know, breaking mm-hmm. it down. Uh, but again, Disney's never cheap, so it's still an expensive vacation when you draw it all back out. 
So really, that's that's all I've got to say about cost. You know, just be conscious of what season you're going. If you're going to kind of follow our advice, you're really aiming for that value season or regular season anyway. So you're going to kind of get the benefit of that. But but know that if you go during peak season, not only are you going to have those crowds, you're going to get stung with the extra cost as well. So kind of to add insult to injury. And, and while we have laid out uh, what we feel is a blueprint for success, uh, and a lot of the variables you need, that we would think you should consider before booking that trip. This is not an exact science anymore. Disney's crowded pretty much year round, and we didn't hit on it. But you have, you know, Disney's a worldwide destination, and so you do have folks coming from a variety of countries and different places in the world, and their seasons and timeout and schooling—it's all very different. So. Well, not only that, and that's kind of the last point I want to make before we get to the secret and the uh, trivia question, is that, you know, five years ago, this was all super accurate. You could go in February and know that, hey, I'm not really going to see anybody else. Now, it, it just seems like it's crowded all the time, no matter when you go. Not crowded like it is in summer, but but more crowded, you know, on a random Tuesday in February than you then would expect. Yeah. And you're not going to get that area in the park where it's like, man, nobody's here. Mm-hmm. I'm alone. <laughs> that doesn't happen anymore. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, so Disney's done a good job of kind of spreading out the crowds. And I think a lot of that has to do with people are doing more research before they book. People are booking with travel agents. People are a lot more conscious of, hey, it's going to be cheaper if I go here, or it's not going to be as crowded if I go here. And that kind of has the net effect of making it more crowded year round. So, you know, we're kind of seeing a leveling off of the crowds. You're still definitely going to see a difference between, you know, peak summer season and and the third week in January. But the difference is going to be less than it was, you know, five years ago. That's kind of the, the main takeaway that uh, that I kind of want everybody to have from this is this information is good, but kind of everybody knows it now. It's it's not a secret anymore, you know, as to as to when you go. Yeah, I mean, it's all it's over the internet, and, and personal experience obviously factors into it a bit. And another point, we always talk about how expensive Disney is, but think about it they it's all, they found it seems like a pretty good price point because they are standardly, you know, they're busy. They're busy year round now. Yeah, and I think that they found that you know it's Disney. People are still going to come regardless of what they charge. It's so. like Apple products; people will still buy them. <laughs> All right. Well, so with that being said, let's go to the secret and the trivia question for the week. What have you got this week, Tom? Well, before we hit it, just want to send a thank you out for some of the interaction we've had uh, specifically over the last few weeks with listeners and working with us. You know, I I know we uh, we strive to do this every week. Sometimes, you know, you know, life happens. uh, And so we're we're doing our best to stay on task, but we appreciate your feedback, your emails, uh, critiquing us. We, We certainly strive to bring you a high quality product. So wanted to thank you for that. And if anyone's out there and they're wondering how they can get in contact with us, two easy ways uh, through our email. It's at mendowdw at gmail.com or our Twitter, which is at mendowdw podcast. But onward we go. Uh, Disney secret of the night is not an extravagant Disney touch. Disney, you know, not a, not a crazy long secret. It's more of a, did you know? Um, I think it's pretty, Pretty smart what Disney's know. But anyway, did you know you will not find gum sold anywhere on Disney property? And this is by design. If you go to any other amusement parks or uh, a variety of 
I mean, in restaurants, most places, gum's stuck everywhere. People stick it on tables, seats, throw it out their mouth on the ground. Disney decided to not sell gum to try to eliminate that. And if you reflect on it, you don't really see gum many places in Disney. No, you you don't. And and it's funny, you know, I've been to amusement parks where, you know, you see walls that are just covered in gum. Everybody stuck their gum there. You don't see gum anywhere at Disney World. Yeah, it's it's pretty uh it's pretty unique. Uh but I'm gonna hit the trivia question from two weeks ago. Uh, if you guys remember that one, it was kind of a tricky one. Uh the question was what are the names of the three hitchhiking ghosts that you can find on the haunted mansion? Most people could get two of them. The third one's where some of the, the trickiness came in. Uh, but it was Gus and Ezra or Ezra. Uh, and the third one is Phineas. Uh, so had a lot of people participate. Like I alluded to a second ago, we love the participation. Continue to interact with us. We enjoy doing the trivia and enjoy talking with you guys each and every week. Uh, trivia question for tonight's kind of a tricky one. One of my favorite attractions at Walt Disney World and in Magic Kingdom. Walt Disney World's Carousel of Progress is where we're going to be focusing. Uh, so in Walt Disney World's Carousel of Progress, how many different theaters are there? Uh, remember, this is a ride that rotates uh, through various scenes. Uh, one of the original attractions put at Magic Kingdom. But how many theaters do they have? Have you ever actually waited in line at, uh, at Carousel of Progress? I haven't ever waited longer than like the one scene turn. Where they open well, yeah, of course. And then of course. I've never been in a full theater. So if you sit, if you sit like front row at a, a Carousel Progress and look left or right whenever you turn, you can see the other, you know, the theater on the, the other right theaters. Left. Yeah. But, well, uh, that that and uh, Tomorrowland Transit Authority. That's really a little secret, yeah. But time before the Men Do Disney trip, we actually had to wait to get on Tomorrowland Transit Authority. It actually had a line. Yeah, you know, people are. I think I've spilled the beans on how great of an attraction that is. It's it's nice to sit down, prop your feet. You can go two people to a uh, to a cart there or to a ride vehicle mm-hmm. and sit opposite, prop your feet up on the other end. Uh, you get to go through Space Mountain. If it's down for whatever reason, the lights are on, so you get to see these. It's less than impressive. Yeah, it's pretty underwhelming. <laughs> it's, the, the, the critical piece of that ride is the dark factor. <laughs> yeah, but, it's it's funny. We'll have to talk about that at some point. How much of a difference the darkness makes on on that ride? Yeah, absolutely. If we rattle off some statistics, you guys wouldn't believe top speed, longest drop, furthest drop. I mean, it's pretty kind of underwhelming fun. ride. <laughs> it is, but again, that trivia question: Walt Disney World's Carousel Progress. How many different theaters are there? Uh, to submit your answer, you can email us at mendowdw at gmail or you can tweet us at WDW Podcast. That is it for me. All right. Well, good stuff. With that being said, we'll go ahead and wrap it up. That's all we've got for this week. So please tune in next week for some more Disney magic. Again, look for us on Twitter at WDW Podcast. If you have any suggestions, questions, or comments, please tweet us or email us at WDW at gmail.com. If you enjoyed the podcast, please subscribe and leave us a review. It really does help us out. Thank you so much for listening and giving us the most valuable thing you have, your time. We'll see you next week.